0: Now, I tell you, uh, if you missed last night's fish fry, you missed something special. We had a great time. It was an awesome evening. It was fun. But I have to admit, for me, it was a pretty tough evening. It was very difficult for me because I'm on a diet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, I got to tell you, this was actually the wrong week for me personally for this fish fry to happen. Let me tell you why. I, uh, you know, I, I, like a lot of people, know that I struggle with being healthy. As healthy as I could be, should be. I want to be there for a long time for my kids. And, you know, I come from a family. We're kind of big people, but we also have their medical stuff. And, and so it's always been on my heart, you know, hey, I need to try to be healthier. But it's difficult. I mean, the, some of you know, the struggle is real, you know. I'm still trying to figure out what day in my life happened where I couldn't eat, you know, fried chicken every day you know, and not gaining any weight. One day I just looked down, I couldn't see my feet, you know, what happened, kind of a thing. And so, you know, the last 10 years, dozen years, somewhere in there, that to be healthy, to be, you know, at a better weight and things like that, it's it's been difficult for me, it's been a struggle. And through the years, I've tried many times or different ways, sometimes just lost a little bit, some couple times I lost a fair amount and, and go back, you know, then I stopped trying as hard, stopped paying attention, and I, and you know, I quit. Well, about a month ago, six weeks ago, I kind of got back on the train of, you know what, I better try again, you know, just just get after that program once again. But, I, you know, I just did was only really told myself, you know, I, I didn't really make it a public thing even for my family to said, I'm gonna try to be better. Well, I noticed over the last month or six weeks as I was trying that, that, yeah, I was maybe losing a little bit of weight, but it was slow going. Like, I mean, it was just Really slow, inching down on the scale, and it was frustrating me because when I when I started to realize what I was doing is I, I was doing okay during the week, kind of when I had a lot of structure and when I was busy and all these things. But you know, Friday night, you know, family night and activities, and suddenly I just you know I was ruining it on the weekends, and I was just you know I wasn't really having anybody else help me. I wasn't being accountable to anybody. It was a struggle. So at the beginning of this week, I you know I said. You know, in a prayer time. All right, Lord, you got my attention. This is not something that I can do in my own strength. And you know, God, you put people around me to be encouragers and helpers, and and so I made a commitment that I'm going to let my family help me. So I told Penny about it, and she said, "I'll help you, and we'll, you know, we'll cook for you." Of course, it drives me crazy. I'm married to a woman who can eat whatever she wants, and then as she's driving by the gym, look at it and lose whatever weight she just put on. I don't like that. I mean, that is so frustrating for me. But I told her, she says, we'll help. Then I said, you know, I'll get the boys in on it. So one evening, I sat with the boys. I said, boys, you know, Dad is committed to get a little healthier. I said, I've set a goal. I said, here's my goal. I said, this is not a final goal, but here's my goal. About six weeks, seven weeks out, I said, here's how much I want to lose. It's in a reasonable amount, but it's going to still be hard. And I said, I really could use your help. Y'all could encourage me. And, you know, y'all, I'll do what you guys tell me to do, you know, with mama supervision. You know, if you want me to exercise or... You know, you watch what I eat, and they're like, yeah, dad, whatever, okay. And, and I could tell they weren't enthused about it. And then I said, how about this? If dad meets his goal, you each get $20. I mean, they're like, what? How can we help you? You know, like, and then one of them said, well, what if you're like one pound away? And I said, you don't get it. I said, I got to hit it exactly. Man, you wanna know what the last few days have been like? They have been running me nonstop. I mean, they got me doing push-ups and sit-ups every night. They're looking at everything I eat. They're asking me all the time. I asked them the other day in the car, I said, you know, why are y'all getting so excited about this? And they said, The money? And I and and I said, Is there any other reason? And the little parker goes, No, just the twenty dollars. You know, that's really, that's it. I mean they just they want that money and they're gonna and so last night I'm like, I got there was like two pairs of eyes following me around the gym during that fish fry all night like they're looking at me dad what are you eating i was a good boy only had a couple pieces of fish and i while they were quick outside, night, i did have half only half lord knows the truth only a half a piece of cake i did pretty good although i came home when there was cake sitting in my kitchen i mean just temptation waiting for me but i am not going to get in trouble with those boys I didn't realize quite what I was getting into when I brought my kids in on the situation. But you know what? As much as they've been kind of pushing me pretty hard and uh, doing that, it's been nice. In fact, I would tell you, just even in a week, there's been a freedom in my in this process for me that I haven't experienced before because really, in truth, what I've done is I've said to, to the Lord and also to those people closest to me, to my family, I said, I... I myself, my physical body, this part of my life, this kind of diet plan, getting healthier, I don't have ownership over it. You guys have ownership over it. Lord, you have ownership over it. And family, through through God's guidance, you have ownership over it. In fact, I'm trying to tell them, my body is y'all's. So when they say go run or go do this, all right, you guys made the decision. You guys are accountable. I'm, kind of, I'm giving myself up because I know I've watched it too many times when I said, you know what, I'll just really make sure I'll be disciplined and I'll just make sure I do it. I mean, I, just, I fail all the time. When I try to have the ownership over my own self, man, I fall short. There's something awesome about when we stop and when we say, you know what, I don't own myself. I'm not going to claim the rights over my life or what I should do. I'm giving this up. Now, I'm going to follow someone else. Of course, that, that needs to be the Lord. Now, this morning, as we get into the message, as we continue on in our, our series through Corinthians, that's kind of what I want you to see. We're in the, the next part of our series. And if, uh, Terry, if you put our, our, our title up for us. The sermon this morning is called, You Are Not Your Own. In fact, that's a direct quotation from the passage we're going to look at this morning. Now, before we turn and look at the verses, because we're going to look at it in a minute, but I've got to tell you a few things. I'm going to kind of give you a warning before we jump into it this morning. You know, when we're going through a series. You know, a lot of you know me. We don't always preach just straight through a book of the Bible. But when we do, it means that sometimes when we're going verse by verse through something, we're going to come across some difficult passages. And this morning, I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, just give you fair warning, that what well, we're going to read this morning, what we're going to study and talk about, is one of those difficult passages. It comes with some pretty unique issues and challenges. Now, first of all, one of the one of the challenges behind this passage is that, as you're going to see in just a moment when we read, that some of the stuff it says, is, well, just, it's frankly just not very popular. Now, I'm not too concerned about trying to be popular, but I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be some. There are some people, and there might be some people in here who hears what scripture has to say, and you'll say. If you affirm those truths, you're a terrible person. It's one of those kind of passages. It talks about things you're to do and some a lot of things you're not supposed to do. Where well, the Lord says is wrong. And it's got some it, it's got some stuff that just people do not want to hear. It's difficult in that. And I want you to understand we now we're going to we're going to try to explain some and, and get a better handle on it, but it's just there. In fact, I want to tell you, when these words were first given, when they were, when Paul was writing under the direction of God to the church at Corinth, these words weren't popular then. It's not like they've gotten less popular over the years. The stuff he had to say to them hurt just as much as it does to some people today. You want to talk about a culture that was kind of open lifestyle back then? I mean, back then, where this church was located, it was anything goes. I mean, you didn't get told no for doing anything. So let me tell you, these words have been unpopular for a long time. They're going to rub people, some people the wrong way. It's also challenging in this. this. These verses we're going to look through this morning. We don't want to skip any verses. We don't want to gloss over anything. But there is a lot packed inside these verses. We don't have a ton of verses, but there's a lot in there. Okay, It's going to, it's going to hit a bunch of things. Now, in fact, this is kind of a passage, it's almost better to have like an hour-long Bible study, sit down around a table, discussion to bring out the finer points. I can tell you this morning, I can't touch on every little single thing that's in these verses, because there's a lot of it, but it's so densely packed, man, it's really easy to get lost. You go, what's going on here? Why is this? What is this saying? How does this relate to that? I mean, it's, it's a little confusing. It's a, it's a densely packed, tough passage. Now, the third issue is this, and this is really why I'm telling you all of this, is that because it's got some, for some people, troublesome words, there are some things that are controversial in it, Um, and because there's so much, it is very easy as we read these verses and we talk about to lose focus of what's really going on. You're going to hear some words, and I mean... As we read, you might even have some questions pop up to your mind and says, Oh, is that true? Or how does that, you know, it's just one of these passages got a lot to it. And if you don't retain the overall focus, you're going to miss the message. And in fact, if we, if we get the theme of this, you're going to realize how this passage, this lesson we're going to look at, has a great, great truth for us today. Something that will immensely help you and me live the Christian life. So before we read, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to give you right now the take-home point, the overall truth, the meaning behind what we're looking at this morning, so that as we read, you won't lose it. I want you to get the over-idea. Again, it comes straight out of the sermon title, which comes straight out of Scripture. The reminder from this passage is, is this, that when we commit to following Christ, when we receive salvation by coming to God through the Son, Jesus Christ, we are giving ourselves up. We are dying to self, and we are giving our lives to God, and we are saying now, my life is yours, no longer my own. I will do what you tell me to do. That's part of the Christian experience. Coming to Christ means I'm putting self to death, and I'm living for the Lord. And this passage this morning, although there's so much to it, and there's a lot of things going on, If you keep that truth in your head, the reminder of when I live for the Lord, I no longer live for myself, I am no longer my own, but I am living for Christ and doing the things He tells me to do, then you're going to have a better handle on what we're talking about this morning. Okay? So you've been fairly warned. You're ready for what's going on here. So we're going to read through it, and we're going to go back and try to understand some things that are happening. I think if you'll stick with me this morning, if you'll kind of keep your heart engaged and keep the theme in your mind, you're going to really see a blessing today. Let's pull up the scripture this morning. 1 Corinthians 6, we're in verse 9 through 20. Now look at this with me. It says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters... Adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality. Uh, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit. Of our God. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will do away with them both. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For Scripture says the two will become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Run from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Hmm. I think you could see on your own how... Maybe this is not a common passage that everybody is preaching every all the time because there's you you may be in step with everything it said, but there's a lot of people who would say, no way. There will be a lot of people who say, Well, that's a hateful attitude, and that's a, um, don't tell me what to do with my life, and God wouldn't treat me this way. You get where I'm coming from. Now, as I said, I don't want you to get lost in the little details. We're gonna try to pick up some of the issues. That you may have questions on this morning as we go through. Okay, As we look at it, I hope you get a better understanding of what's going on. But let's again keep the theme for us. The, The idea that when we come to Christ, that we no longer claim ownership over our own body. We belong to Him. Now again, let me simplify all this for you. Let me help you out. Because in this passage, what Paul is reminding us, and we see this all throughout Scripture, is that there's really two groups of people there's been a line drawn into sand and you are either on one side or the other now what is that line well Paul referenced it you are either ungodly separated from God or you have been washed, redeemed, sanctified, you're one of His children. I mean, Jesus Christ told us there's the sheep and the goats. He says, you know, He talks he talked all the time about those who will find their way to Him and then those who reject Him. Scripture affirms this many times over. There are those who are saved and those who are not. And this passage began by talking, it said, don't you know the ungodly or the, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. It was talking about the people over on this side. It's talking about the group of people who sit over here and say this, my body is mine to do with what I will. Now, I know you, we heard all the list of sins, and that's not a exhaustive list of things we're not supposed to do, but you saw several of them there. Some of you might be getting hung up on, well, this sin or that sin or some of you might even go on, well, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, I've committed one of those sins. I, I've been greedy or I've been... And you I'm worried. I want you to realize that the common thread... Don't, don't worry about the individual sins for a second. Look at the common thread of all those sins that describe the ungodly person. The one who sits over here, again, is the one who says, it's my life, it's my physical body. I can do with it what I will." Don't tell me how to live. That is the nature and characteristic of the person who has not been saved. Who is not a child of God. I mean, we all sin... That's what I'm telling you, don't worry about the specifics yet, don't get into that. We all sin, we all struggle with a person who says, my life is my own, don't tell me how to live, and I'm going to stay doing the things I want to do. That is a huge sign that's a person who is not with the Lord. We see this all the time. In fact, you go turn on the news, you go, you know, see on the internet, articles of all the cultural hot topic issues of the day. And you see the protesters out there, right? And the people on this side, what are they constantly saying? You can't tell me how to live. Let me use one example. Now I'm not trying to turn it into a political message here or something like this. And this issue is a whole lot bigger than what I'm about to mention. But just consider abortion for a minute, okay? That's a hot topic issue today, isn't it? I mean, it's very divisive. Some are here, some are there. Don't tell me what I can do with my body. No, don't, you know, protect life. The issue. Again, I've talked to plenty of people who say, you know are pro-choice and they want to have abortion and be able to have you know, freedom for that. And one of the comments I hear time and time again, the defense for that position is nobody can tell me what to do with my body. I know the issue, there's, you know, more to it. There's a lot of things that, you know, Arguments people try to bring, but I think that's the core in that issue. And a lot of issues similar to that, of people saying, don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. My life, my body, is my own. And see, when Paul wrote this letter to the church, to the, to the believers in Corinth, they're surrounded by people who are living that kind of lifestyle. Again, I, I talk about the, some of the bad things we see in our culture today, some of the sinful things we see around us, magnified many times over for the, how they were living back then. One of the things that Paul talks about is the sexual immorality. He talked about prostitutes and other things like that. That was so commonplace back then, so commonplace. And all the vulgarities that came out of it. There was, nothing was taboo. You, it was, they, they lived in a culture that if you feel like being able to do it, you should be able to do it. We're not going to tell you how to live. It was a group of people, and that group of people existed forever and ever, that says, don't tell me what to do with my body. That kind of attitude, that kind of heart, that kind of just you know, belief is just a mark of someone who has not put their life in the hands of They're firmly and happily sitting over here and saying, I am going to live the way I want to. Why do I need to follow some man named Jesus and do the things he tells me to do? My life is my own. And Paul's trying to get that across to us as we read this letter. He says, don't you know that the ungodly will not inherit the kingdom of God? He's talking about these people who are sitting over and saying, don't tell me how to live. But then there's the other side. He said, some of you were like that. You were those things. But you were saved, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. And you came in, you sat down over here. And you said, my life no longer belongs to me. I've been saved. My life belongs to God. And I'm going to try daily to live for Him. To do the things He's called me to do to understand what's right and what's wrong and to follow that example. The mark of the believer, of the one who's got their name written down in the book of of life, is the one who has recognized that there has been a time in your life, some point where you, not your parents or grandparents or a friend, prayed for you, but you spoke unto God and said, God, I believe and receive your son Jesus Christ and I turn from my old life and I give my life to you now. That is the mark of someone sitting on this side. That said, I am giving up, my, trying to find my own way to heaven. I'm, try, I'm giving up my own will and preferences. I am living for you. And Paul was saying, as he's writing this letter, saying, again, he's writing to his brothers and sisters in Christ, and he was saying, some of you were over here, and you were in those terrible things, but now you're over here. You were redeemed. Now that's, so far, that's fine. We can understand that. It's it's very separated. Ungodly, those who reject. Those who say, don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what's wrong. And those who said, I believe in Jesus Christ by faith. My life is no longer my own. But if we only just would stay on the side where we are. Let me tell you what actually happened. Let's start over here. See, there are some people who sit over here, and they are over here, and only God knows where a person's heart is. But there's a person who is over here. It's that unrighteous, the ungodly that Paul was talking about in the passage, right? And they're living for themselves. They're going to do what they want to do. They're going to live by what feels good or what's popular. They're not being directed by anybody else. They haven't given themselves up, but here's what they do. Some of them, not everybody, but some of them. Some of these people, when other people are watching, what do they do? They, look at me. I'm over on the right side now. Because people are looking. And it's a, it's a Sunday morning. Or there's, you know, my family around and they're they good people. Or there's any number of reasons. I, I'm going to look. I'm going to look like I'm, I belong over here. I'm going to say the right things. I'm going to act the right way. Because I want people to think good of me. But in truth, I'm constantly being pulled back over here. Because I haven't given my life up to Christ. Because even, even when I'm trying to come kind of identify with over here, I'm still saying I'm going to live for myself. So as soon as nobody's watching, I get right back up and I come right back into my way of living. Jesus told us there are are wolves in sheep's clothing. And Paul said, don't be deceived. Thinking that if you act the right way, if you look good enough or you give enough money or whatever else that you were on that side. That's not the mark of where I truly belong. I know I'm over there if I have given up my life for Christ. It's not that if I'm good enough, agonized enough, show up to church enough times. That's just trying to come over there and look like I am. That's a person who has been deceived. That most of the time I'm going to live life right here the way I want to live it. For myself, for my own pleasures... Don't tell me how to live my life, but when other people are watching, or when it serves my purpose, I'm going to run over there real quick. It doesn't work, friends. It doesn't work. And the Scripture is screaming at us, those are not Christ's people. The, these, those sins that were mentioned, okay, all the things, those are people who are living those things as part of who they are saying I am I'm living as this because I want to do the things I want to do now we need to, we need to understand that side of it how some people who are really over here because they haven't given their life to Christ yet like to come over here for a moment but here's where it gets real dangerous for you and for me if you're here this morning and you know that you're on the side you know that you've had an experience of giving your heart and life to Christ. You confessed it. You believe it. I mean, there's no doubt. You say, I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm trying to live for Him. I gave up myself. I'm not trying to live for Him anymore. You know you belong here. But, do we always stay on this side? One day I look over there and I said, man, that side kind of looks kind of nice. Let me, get a Let me check it out. I'm not going to go over there, but they're, they're, they're kind of having fun. You know, I remember when I got to do those things. Man, they don't seem like they got any guilty conscience. Or they're worried about life. Let me get a little closer. Well, I, you know, I probably shouldn't do those things, but. No lightning. Uh, oh, okay. Huh? I'm I'm still alive. I'm still here. Oh, oh, goodness. Maybe it's it's okay. Oh wait, there's one of my church friends. Oh, I'm gonna come back over here. they I don't want them to see me doing that. It's Sunday morning. I'm all good. Right? Are you with me? See, what Paul's real emphasis here is not just to talk about the two divisions, the two sides, and not even really to talk about those who are over there who try to come act like they're, they've got Christ, but they really don't. His heart and the true message is for those who belong over here. It's for the church. It's for the body of Christ. For those who have received him, who have started to be fooled and deceived into thinking, I can go back over there and live on that side occasionally. Because here's what happens. Because I, I test the waters, and I, okay, God didn't strike me down. Guess what happens? The next time walking across that line, becomes so much easier. And then I get over there, and I just sit down. I just kind of stay over here for a while. Because I go, I'm saved. It's all right. I mean, I can do all these things over here. In fact, you heard in the Scripture, it said twice, it was showed in quotes because, this idea of anything is permissible. That's kind of like a, a phrase they think they were using in that church back then. Like, hey, I'm saved. It's good. I can get away with doing whatever I want. I'm, I'm going to heaven. What do I care? So we come and we sit on this side. Now some of you are struggling right now because you're thinking, well, I remember giving my life to Christ, believing Him, and praying Him, but i got to admit, I crossed that line a bunch. And some of those sins that mention, some of the immorality and the and the, or the greediness and the drunkenness, or maybe something else that you know is in Scripture that God said, stay away from, you're going, uh, yeah, I do that. And so some of you this morning might be going, um, am, I, am I really supposed to be over there on the right side, or maybe I didn't really do it. Maybe I didn't really do it right, and I'm actually over here. Well, first of all, only God knows your heart, uh, and, and you know if you really made a commitment to Him or not, Okay? let me tell you this, the mark of the believer is not a person who never goes from that side to this side. I mean, we don't want to, but we're all sinners, we all do it. That's not the mark of a person who never crosses the line. The mark of a safe person is one who's winning or over here. There is something inside of you that says you are not where you are supposed to be. There's something in going, you are on the wrong side, get back over. There's something, it's like, almost like we left a part of ourselves over there. When we're not complete, we're not whole, there's something in us. The mark of the Christian is the one that has that, just that call of God in your life because God is in you, and you don't bring God into sinfulness. And God is going to say, no, I'm not going with you there. And you're going to say, this, okay, this was fun for a few minutes, but now something's wrong. So I'm going to tell you right now, Christians can come over on this side. You I don't want you to. You're not supposed to. But I mean, it does not take away our salvation. When we come over here, we want to try to. We're going to in a minute deal with how we keep from coming over here. But it doesn't take away our salvation. But if you're over here, one of the ways you can know that you have given your life to Christ is while you're over here, God is saying you're at the wrong place. Get back over there. And the only way we get back over there. As we're crossing over, we go to God and say, God, I messed up. Forgive me, God. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you for your grace. And it's a recommitment. God, I know I belong over here. I know I belong over here because, God, when I committed to you and you came into my life, I made a promise to you that my life is not my own. It is to be lived for you. And that's why the person, the saved person who's over there, is going to be called back over on this side. You can stay over there for a whole long time, and it gets uglier and just, I mean, just depressing and all kinds of stuff when a Christian stays over there. But a, a believer will have a call on heart saying, get back over to me. Now, there's probably not a one of us in this room this morning that doesn't understand that struggle. Because, again, think about this. Paul was writing this letter to a bunch of believers who were spending way too much time over here. Did you hear some of the things he was talking about? Staying away from. I mean, one of the worst issues he was talking about was prostitution. And it was, we can tell from the letter that it was saying, some of you guys are doing that. I mean, church members out there. Visiting those people. So were they walking over here on this side? Yeah. And Paul was saying, stop it. You don't belong there. Realize that you just because you're Christian doesn't mean you can go back to the side of living however you want. You have been sanctified. You've been washed. You've been redeemed. So how do we deal with the problem? If you're like them, or today you're here going, Man, I, I know I made the decision, but I that just that other side is just so, so tempting. I keep I, I keep stepping over. How do I how do I handle that? Guess what? Scripture tells us. Okay? okay. Scripture lets us know what we are to do when we are struggling out of that way. First thing it tells us is it says, run from, or actually, better in the translation, it says flee from sexual immorality. Now it's not just sexual immorality. We've, de- we've been talking about other sins, and there's a lot of things in there. So just kind of for the run from the immoral, sinful things. So here's what it means. So when I go to God and say, God, I am yours. I want to live life for you, not for myself. I know I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I don't want to act like I used to be. And so I get back over on the right side and I get things straight with God. What I don't want to do is sit here as close to that other side as possible. So, God, I'm going to sit over here on the good side, but I'm going to be able to kind of look over there on the bad side. I'm going to look at it, but I promise, God, I won't touch. God, I'll watch what's happening over there, but I won't go over there. What does Scripture say? Get up and run! Run! Get out of there! Don't Don't sit over there and think, hey, maybe I can resist. Run from it! I mean, think about, think about the Old Testament, Joseph, right? He's being confronted with the seductress woman. Oh, just come to bed with me. He doesn't say, hmm, let's talk about it for a minute. Let's analyze. He runs out of there. It even cost him. He got sent to jail for it. But he ran. His, I'm not even going to be around us for a second. Flee. So those things that cost you cause you to, I want to go back over here. The believer says, my life is not my own. I'm not supposed to do those things because I'm living for Christ. And I am going to run from them. I'm going to get as far away from them as I can. I'm going to run. I mean, we should be in the running business, friends. I'm telling you, we should be getting fleeing from those things that draw our eye, draw our heart back over to living with the attitude, I can do what I want to do. Now, once we get the attitude of fleeing, running from the immorality, I love what Scripture tells us. I'm going to give you something today, and I'm going to tell you that if you use this in your life, I'm not going to say it's a guarantee that you're never going to sin again, but I'm going to tell you, you're you're putting a weapon in your heart and life to stay where you need to be. The end of our passage kind of gave us three statements, they're really affirmations. And in fact, if I take these things, and not just repeat them. I don't think you can just get up in the morning and say these words and you're good. But I think if you take some of these daily affirmations and you pray over them and you internalize them and you commit them to God every day, ten times a day, every moment that you know you're going to be even near, even within a mile of something that is the tempting thing for you. That may be a place, a person, a thing. That may be that phone that sits there in your house or in your purse that, that's calling you, calling gossip, calling slander. That may be that place, that building, that um, business that you pass on the way to work, or the way home, that's calling to you. Come and enjoy some time with me. Okay? So when you know those things around, one you're saying you're fleeing. From the immorality, but then listen to these statements. Let me read them for you. Then I am going to tell you how to change how to apply them personally. The very end of the passage said this first, it gives the statement, You are not your own, and it says, For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So, what do I need to do every day, constantly, consistently? I need to get up. And I need to go about the situations and the trials of my life and I, just, I need to reaffirm, God, my life is not my own. I don't own my life or even my body anymore. I gave it to you. I mean, you should be able to say to God, God, I know I've been trying to pick up that thing again of saying I own it. I get to do with it what I want. But I am r- telling you again, I'm recommitting to you again that my Physical life does not belong to me. It is yours. Second thing is, after you say, my life is not my own, commit to God, say it to Him, I was bought at a price. You should never, ever forget what was paid so that you could have that freedom. The minute you begin to st- forget how much was sacrificed for you, how much God forgave you when you didn't even come close to deserving it, when you just think it was because something you did that you're with God, you know what you're doing? You're just pulling yourself back closer to that line. Because you're thinking, my salvation's something I did. You should wake up every day and look up to heaven and say, God... Why did you pay such a price for me? Thank you. You gave your son who died for me, who took my sins, who took the price that I needed to pay. So I need to say to God, my life is not my own. Thank you, God, that you bought me at a price. And lastly, committing unto him, saying, today, now, this moment, I will Honor you, I will glorify you with my body. You're saying that what I'm going to do, the physical actions I take, friends, you listen to me. I'm not just talking trying to be a nice person or show up to church when the doors are open. No, I'm talking the physical actions I take, God, I'm going to honor you. And glorify you in those things, because my life is not my own, and I was bought at a price. Friends, if you continue to commit those things unto God, if you keep them present before you, written on your heart, you know what you've done. You've put a wall so high over here. I mean, it's not even it just. I mean, you don't even want to try to climb it, because you're just going, uh, uh-uh, uh. I that is, I don't go over there. I said I'm living for God. And I'm happy where I am because the person who consistently lives not for themselves but for God is a person who is very content with where they are in life. See, the person who stays over there gets depressed, dejected, they question salvation, they, you know, all kinds of stuff. The person who consistently stays over here, man, they're just, I'm, life is good. I am happy where I am. And it puts such a protection over there. Now, I have the ability, God's given me the free choice, I can kick that wall down and go back over there, but why would I do that? Friends, if, if, if you were in Christ, you know that walking over here does you no good. It doesn't help you at all. But when you start to realize and live it out that your body, your life is not your own, you're going to see awesome things. But I'm going to tell you, we're not going to get into it this morning, but in coming weeks, some of the uh, upcoming passages we're going to look at, and we've got some other pretty difficult ones to look at, some other unpopular words. If you don't get that heart of my body is not my own, you won't come close to understanding what's coming up next. I'm not talking mentally understanding, I'm talking spiritually understanding. Because those things we're about to get into are built off the principle, you don't own yourself. You don't even own your own body. If you don't start doing that now, those things that come next, they won't happen in your life. So we're gonna keep this reminder before us of you are not your own. Which side are you on? I'm not asking what your neighbor, your spouse, your friend, or even your pastor would say what side you're on. I'm asking you. I'm asking you, what side are you on? Do you know that you have received Christ, that you made the decision purposefully, intentionally, my life is not my own, I give it to Jesus, by faith. You know you're over here. Or even though nobody else knows around you, you have to admit you're just living for yourself. I'm gonna do the things I want to do. What side are you on? What side is home for you? Now, I want everybody over here. I want you right here. And I pray that I want I, I want that to be everybody. And maybe some of you this morning need to get that taken care of because you gotta admit your home's been over there. I want you here. Now Some of you, you know you belong here, but you've just been living life on the wrong side. Some of you have been living life over here long enough, you don't think you can cross back over. You don't think God's ready to tear that up and say, come on home. friends, it's it's as easy as me stepping from here to here. Because the moment I come to God, ask His forgiveness, and seek His restoration, it comes fully and freely. He'll happily say, welcome home. Let's try this again. I don't want to know that any of us who belong here are back living like the world. But if you are, Come on home. Let's pray together this morning.